0: Welcome, everyone, to 2023 season episode 36 of the Team Blaney podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Fans for Fans. Steve and I have been following the drivers of the Blaney racing family for two decades, and Team Blaney itself launched on social media in 2014. Each weekly episode of the podcast offers an in-depth analysis of Ryan Blaney's latest NASCAR Cup Series race, plus news notes and a lineup of special guests all throughout the year. This week, we break down the number 12 team's run in the Yellowwood 500 this past Sunday at Talladega Super Speedway. Steve, welcome back. You're just done barnstorming across the country after attending this race at Talladega, <laughs> and I bet it has put you in a good mood.
1: <laughs> his his run, how about just his win? <laughs> the way you put that at the beginning. It, That's it was true. Just, yeah, his win. Spoiler. And- <laughs> Spoiler, uh, if you haven't seen yet, uh, you know, restart the podcast. Um, My wife says to me, she says, you know, he's won nine races at the cup level. Now we've seen three of them live. So we're going to start a GoFundMe page tomorrow so that next season we go to all 36, you know, <laughs> and if he wins 33% of those, what's that make it? 12 wins next year. So um, we're going to have to start this GoFundMe page now, I think. And if you people want him to win 12 races next year, we'll go to all t- uh, 36, you know, for you and make sure he wins 12. You know, it's a pretty good percentage. Mys-
0: myself, on the other hand, I point out to people is that this is the third win where we were very close to going. To the race, and we didn't go being his win at Atlanta, his win in the coca cola six hundred, and now this win at Talladega. we were all on the fence the that, that Friday before the race, yes, yes or no, we stayed home, and he's won three times we had we did get to see him win that one time with you mm-hmm. at Daytona, but since then all the races we've kind of waffled on stayed home and he's ended up going to victory Lane, so maybe it could be a, a, a split go fund me, Steve and Kate go. Adam and Tara have to stay home.
1: Have to stay home. Um, Part of the GoFundMe, they buy you a bigger TV or something, so you can, you know, or a couple extra ones, so you can watch all the action, you know. Um, But uh, the yeah, the trip was uh, was excellent. I mean, we were only going down there for Sunday. Um, We travel about three quarters of the way. We never really get a hotel um, anywhere real close to the track. It just gets way too expensive. Um, So we stay stay a certain distance out uh where the prices are a little more reasonable. Um we try to get there early uh to you know you know get in early and then t- we usually like to make the tweet up too. Um Bob was uh I think just Bob this time. Well he might have Kelly Crandall with him, I think. Um and they you know they do great job with the tweet up uh good good crowd there for it. Actually he told a great story about Talladega Knights because we have the uh, they had a show cars there for the old spice and wonder bread and they had a huge hot air balloon for wonder bread. And he told a story about Will Ferrell. <laughs> Cause I guess when they, when the movie came out for like a month straight, Will Ferrell went to every race to help promote it. And wh- when he was doing this, you know, after week, after week, after week, I guess Bob walked into an extremely crowded uh, press press room at one point and goes, is that will Farrell here again and uh he said will was like two people away from him <laughs> over the side and he, he probably heard him but he didn't quite could, couldn't quite tell where it came from you know but uh, uh that was a really cool thing this weekend to see uh once we got there but uh uh decent crowd i don't think it was actually packed um but a decent crowd weather was perfect which means you guys didn't come yep uh, that's the other thing <laughs> I have to hammer you on that because you texted me at one point. I said, you knew, I knew you weren't coming because the forecast didn't change. You know, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. You're not uh, there's a, there's something about you're like Charlie Brown there for, for the weather. It just follows you. Um, but uh, yeah, everything overall was, was great looking, looking forward to the whole thing. And then uh, the execution Sunday, what we'll talk about here uh, was unbelievably great. I uh, yeah (laughs) made the trip back even better, you know, because that's all we talk about on the whole trip back was uh, what a great day we had on Sunday.
0: Yeah, these are absolutely my favorite favorite episodes of the year. You know, our first season, Ryan breaks out and gets three victories the first year that we ever did the podcast. And then last year, you know, super consistent, had a lot of success a lot of success that didn't include wins except for uh, the win in the all-star race, which that was a great episode after that. Mm -hmm. And uh, this year we've had some time a little bit, you know, he wins the Coca-Cola 600 gets that crown jewel victory, uh, breaking that winless streak that they had for several races. Um, he was really excited to win that race. We had a bit of a stretch here over the summer where things kind of slowed down a little bit. They made some mistakes. They didn't execute all the way. Uh, but as soon as these playoffs have kicked off, Outside of a speeding penalty that he had last week, you know, Mm -hmm. the last week's race was being executed to perfection until that time. Um, They've really turned it up for the playoffs. And um, we have uh, went and pulled down the audio from Ryan's press conference. So we're going to be playing a lot of clips uh, from him and Roger Penske and Jonathan Hassler a little bit later on the show. So make sure you stay tuned for those if you haven't uh, heard any of those since uh, Ryan's win on Sunday. So um, lots of cool stuff coming up. But the only way to get there is to jump into our race recap here. And thank you, Steve. I know you've been on the road all day. You got home. You kind of went through and and took some quick notes from yourself, uh, rewatching some things and looking through some of the NASCAR.com stuff. If this is your first time listening, Steve does a really awesome job every week of listening to the scanner, watching TV, watching the in-car camera, taking notes all race long. We really give you a super in-depth breakdown of the strategies and the pit stops and everything that happened throughout the race on these recaps of Super. super speedway races in general things happen so fast and there's so many passes and usually crashes are kind of the only crazy things that go on these recaps are usually a little bit shorter uh so that paired with you being there live at the track it might be a little bit different but we still have a lot of cool stuff to talk about and uh, that starts off with qualifying but
1: no practice no practice yeah (laughs) your favorite um I think Denny Hamlin actually made fun of the fact that they were even qualifying over the weekend because he's, you know, same thing. I mean, we're going to just line them up and see where we end up uh, on Sunday, but uh, actually Saturday it goes pretty well. Uh, The first, they do one whole round. Everybody goes once. um, And Ryan put it P five for that. Uh, So he went out um, to invert that when they go for the poll. And uh, so he went out, I think sixth there for the poll um, but did not did not get that great a lap in. Um, I don't know if the cooling of the cars off and, and getting them back out there. Not sure what happened, but he ends up going to start 10th. Uh, the 10 car uh, ends up with the pole. And uh, what do we have? Seven, eight Fords in the top 10 to start the race. So all the Fords showed off their muscle during that. Um, I guess there was an adjustment made uh, by NASCAR um where they uh made it so they couldn't adjust those cars quite the way they did you know how they were um uh yawed out a little bit there oh that uh, kind
0: of skew that they they showed kind of up skew. with a couple of times yeah. this year yep
1: yeah uh i guess uh, the talk in the garage was that the nascar uh, uh told them they couldn't do that anymore so this qualifying was a l- you know a little bit different a little more um where everybody was in the same box again so uh, that advantage that a couple teams had found was taken away um which made the, was probably going to make the racing better to tell you the truth because everybody's back back under the same uh rules again. Um we get to race day uh, we got uh stages of 60 120 188 uh seven sets of tires and pit stall 41 which is the uh last stall on pit road from you know front to back or my wife is, and she might be right there. She says it's the first stall on pit road. Cause when you think about it, it's the first one you get to <laughs> as you're coming down pit road. And this ends up being quite an advantage actually. Um, you know, cause like they, you know, they come down to pit road, they slow down right away to pit road speed, but to get to the box, they don't have to go through like anybody else's box. They can go straight to it. Don't have to go around anybody. Um, all they need to do is stop short if they have to go around the, the car in front of them. So, um, fuel run of 40 to 43 laps roughly. And when we start this race, uh, of course, Ryan starts out in the high line with the even, uh, even number starting position. Um, by about lap 10, uh, he has moved to the low lane. And, um, within a couple laps there, he gets behind the 22. And this is kind of where he wants to be. Um, with a lot of talk before the race about the 22 and the two helping Ryan. Um, and it gets up to about third or fourth position here. And it kind of goes back and forth as the lanes move a little bit in front of each other. Um, you know, the high lane might move up a little bit. The low lane might move up next lap, you know, so it ends up being third or fourth, third or fourth. Um, by uh, lap 18, though, the field does get three wide. And and once again, in parentheses, I put fuel conservation. Um, there, are the two lanes that are moving, the low lane and what ends up being the middle lane are basically trying to back up into each other and ryan even talks about throttle trace at one point on the radio uh because he kind of wants to know if he's doing a good job uh because the more fuel they save the less time they got to spend on a green flag pit stop or any pit stop actually getting fuel and the less time they do that the more track position they can gain so um But this, what this does is it creates a third lane because some of the guys get out of line between those two lines, try to try to race a little bit and get that third lane up on the top going. And all of a sudden it gets a little more racier, but everybody's still doing the same thing with fuel conservation as best they can. The guy in the front's the guy that's kind of screwed a little bit because he's, he's out in front and, uh, you can still save fuel from the front as we learned in the spring race, but you've really got to back up into people, you know, not worry about, leading as much you know you might your you lead your lane but not necessarily lead the race um lap 34 here um the, the the low lane gets kind of moved back a little bit ryan gets back to about 10th place at this point uh lap 38 the ford's pit now this is part of it too they, that lane moved back because they were trying to shuffle and certain guys were trying to get in a position so they were in that low lane because they knew they were going to come to a pit uh, pit uh green flag pitting here and um the Ford's pit on lap 38, and this is a five-second pit stop. There's no tires involved. Somebody online said, why didn't they put tires on Because it only takes a certain amount of time. But, no, this is fuel only. These tires are good good till, you know, a certain number of laps. Um, you don't want anybody having to run around the front end of the car to put a tire on, even though it might only take five seconds to do that. Um, so, and actually, later on, there's pit stops even faster. Um So we get uh, the Chevy's pitting on the next lap and the Toyota's pitting at lap 42. And while this is going on, they do kind of merge back to to each other at some point. But the Fords did such a good job that they end up near the front of all all three of the manufacturers here. Um, So when it cycles complete at lap 43 here, Ryan's up to second. And for the next bunch of laps, he kind of. Gets between second and fifth as the lanes kind of move a little bit. Um, Lap 49, we get the 47 in the high lane. And the two is in the low lane with Ryan pushing him. And this is where the fun happens as we're getting closer to the end of the stage here. Um,
0: I know Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He's won multiple races at super speedways. He always finds a way to the front. Um, But, man, this is like the most out of control consistently. <laughs> I've seen him. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if yeah. some of it was Kyle Busch at points here was, was pushing the 47. Maybe he's pushing them a little bit too hard, but I thought a disaster could strike basically at any moment. I'm not sure how yeah. you, how you could perceive that at the racetrack, but on TV, the way they can have the camera angles from above and right, right in front. Like that car was, all over the place and it made me just so nervous with where ryan was running because i'm like you know if he does spin is he going to come down and hit ryan and hook him too or will ryan scoot by i mean that's all that's going through my head during this whole sequence
1: i don't know if i mean these cars are you know a little loose and a little tight they may have a slight adjustment here or there usually on a super speedway but he did he looked really loose he looked wild like when he took a push like it looked almost like he had to save it a couple different times yeah
0: the um um, other thing to mention here too and they brought that now this is going to come into play in your race report in a little bit they brought it up on tv you know Cindric was on on the inside i believe for most of that and they're showing (laughs) his throttle trace and he was off the gas a lot going moving back into ryan let ryan kind of push him 47 was full throttle like the whole time out there on that outside lane. So, this will come into play in
1: mere moments. Yeah, I'm sure. in mere moments. Yeah, as I was say, lap 60. Let's get to the end of the stage here. Um, and it basically happens, uh, you know, somewhere around the back stretch, Ryan pushes the two <clears throat> way out there. And uh, the two does something we all hoped he would do. He goes ahead and gets in front of the high lane. And I don't want to say the word block, but uh, he, he lost his and drafting help. Yeah, he kind of, that's led. what happened. Exactly. That's what happened. He <laughs> lost, he lost his drafting help and he was trying to cover the high lane and he covered the high lane so good that Ryan moved past him on the low lane. Um, and, uh, it, it, uh, you know, Ryan, as, as they go through three and four, Ryan ends up, uh, you know, out to the lead. And then we have the accident that happens in three and four with, uh, what we got the 47, what well, I'm sorry, the, the it's one, like- the, tw- the, the one, the 20 and the eight, were actually involved i think the 47 was near it and this is part of what caused it kind of caused caused it it. so um and the one gets smashed up uh he's done for the day pretty much with that uh the eight car takes a little damage the 20 takes some damage that they end up fixing as the day goes on um but But yeah caution caution comes out before they actually get to the line and uh, ryan wins stage one
0: yeah, but that was awesome. But yeah, I was mentioning Stenhouse going, you know, full throttle this whole time because he does lose fuel. Like, or he loses fuel pressure, pressure.
1: backs up
0: The eight in the 47, kind of go up into the fence. The one tries to scoot four wide, basically three, you know, he mm-hmm. three out of the four wide and gets clipped and goes into the fence and hits the 20. So it messes up a few people's days by the way the 47 like they just didn't take enough fuel on their stop which part of the reason why they're able to get back out front again went full throttle that whole time um but you know shout out to Austin Sindrick as you said Austin you know Sendrick, last yeah. year last year we gave the teammates um, from what happened in the Daytona 500 to what happened, it's funny, the first race and last race, really, to what happened all the way in the championship race, you know, we're kind of bemoaned a little bit, uh, the mm-hmm. whole teammate racing and Ryan's always the, has always been basically the perfect teammate all along. When, when would this kind of come full circle? Mm-hmm. Um, but you could tell between, uh, the 22, there's a point, I don't know if it was already passed or later on passing, the race, where the 22 is in the lead and, mm-hmm. um, Ryan was inside and the 22 kind of went, Up high, and they kind of did what they like to do, which is kind of control both lanes. But if it was a normal, if somebody, anybody other than Ryan was in the bottom lane, Logano would have been bouncing back and forth between the two lanes blocking, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. he didn't because Ryan's down there. So kudos to Joey at that point. Kudos to Austin Sindrick, who really helped the 12 win that stage, which at that point in the race, you know, this is before we know he wins, getting that stage or that playoff point was huge. Getting those ten play or uh, ten stage points was huge for a guy mm-hmm. that can't enter this race eleven points below the cut line. So
1: yeah. So yeah, we're actually we're Great texting at one point talking about uh at back and forth at that moment we were texting you about, you know, well that's 10 points to the, you know, and only like two or three other cars uh that were playoff cars took uh stage points there. You know, most of that uh top ten was guys that are out of the playoffs. So It was funny about the two doing what it did is I thought the two is what actually caused the accident at first, because you, you see him cover that lane and then you realize, you know, you find out what happened with the 47 and you realize that the 47 is the guy who ran out of gas and, you know, the two really didn't back up as far as we think he did. And actually, if it would have came to the front stretch, he'd have probably still been leading that lane, and guys would have tried to have to bail around him, maybe. But you know, which would have helped Ryan too.
0: Yeah. The other good thing uh, that happened was just that crash happened. Well, it's not great that a crash happened, but uh, there were some Hendrick cars lined up on the bottom behind Ryan, so they would have also maybe pulled out on the in the trio, will trying to to pass too. So you never know what will happen. Luckily, it didn't happen, and the twelve team picks up that that stage victory
1: yeah so uh, pitting here uh everybody's pitting four tires and they're waiting on fuel okay so anytime they do do a four tire stop here in the race they got to wait on fuel got to get it full so that if they go green the whole next stage they can take that in you know, a short fuel only um and what's great about this is it's a 13.180 second stop and normally you go what what do you mean what's great they came in first they went out first So that tells you that 37 other cars also had 13-plus-second stops, also doing the same exact thing. They had to fill the tank up. If you're doing this right, you got to fill it up and hope that you can only put a couple seconds worth in on on the uh, green flag stop later on. So restart at lap 66 with the low lane here. And really, like, not a lot is happening. um, But by lap 81, the low lane uh, has gotten moved back a bit. And, you know, Ryan's gotten shuffled a little bit. He's back to 10th. Uh, I think at lap 87 is where we have this issue where we um, kind of get sucker hold. Um, a couple of people end up going around him. He didn't cover a move basically. And, and when this happens, uh, he just kind of like gets caught in the middle and kind of uh, moved to the back and goes all the way back to like 22nd at that. Yeah. point.
0: Yeah. If I'm remembering correctly, he was, he was back on the outside lane, had made his way kind of back toward the front. And I think if this is the right time, that the eight car tried to to go three, go out mm-hmm. to the outside lane, go. I don't know if he was trying to cover the the third lane that was coming or not, but Ryan went out to try and block it. And I think the eight shot back down in. Ryan didn't have enough time to get back down in line. And um, in his post-race comp- press conferences and some other stuff, he mentions like the one mistake they made all day was that. And I think even on the radio, he said, like, how did we... He said we, so I don't know if he just means yeah. everybody, team, spotter. Like, how did we miss that? Like that, that opportunity yeah. to get back in. So a little moment of frustration, probably one of the few moments of frustration in this entire race. And yeah, just kind of free falls after that and, and and hangs around the back. And even <laughs> Uh, Towards the end of this this stage makes me makes me a little nervous because he starts to drive back up through again, like into what I would call the hornet's nest.
1: But yeah, he does a good um, job by the end of the stage. Um,
0: But maybe they felt good about getting those ten stage points in the win earlier. That if uh, if something does happen, at least we have that to fall back on. I'm sure they had all that time. He had all that time to think about that one.
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) when he's traveling 190 miles an hour.
1: Yeah, a lot of deep deep thoughts going on there. Um, Lap 105. uh, We start some green flag bidding with the Toyotas. They actually lead off this time, and the next lap, the Fords cover it, and I have on the NASCAR app, it says this stop is a 3.170 second stop. Um, later on, is a four-second stop, but this one's 3.170. Uh,
0: here's the reason for that. So the downside to getting shuffled, obviously, is losing all your track position and going to the back. The plus side in this type of race, which a lot of these have become fuel mileage races now, is he could save... Un- crazy amount of fuel. Mm-hmm. So when they came in to take to do this pit stop and even the next pit stop later in the race because of their their fuel saving abilities, uh it could be really super short.
1: Yeah. Um lap 107 the Chevy's end up pitting, uh, but lap 115 he's 24th here with all this you know everything coming back together. Um but I you know a lap so that's 24th with five laps to go in the stage. Okay. Um but at the end of the stage, uh, the two car wins the stage. Uh, uh Keslowski wins stage two. Ryan ends up twelfth. So in five laps, he gained twelve positions, and who knows, you know, if they really a lot had of it,
0: it. A lot of it was even just on the last lap of that stage. He went and yeah. went and win that outside lane. He went three wide with everybody else. They got a huge amount of momentum. Mm-hmm. And he was so so close to stage points. Now, I think you mentioned he finishes 12th. I think in reality, after uh, what happens in post-race tech, I think he bumps up to 11th, <laughs> 11th in this stage uh, because yeah. of, of a DQ that happens. But um, it was so close, so close to being able to rally there for stage points. But that does help setting up this next stage, gives him a little bit more track position going into the, this next sequence.
1: Yeah. So they're um, pitting here, four tires and fuel going in 12th, coming out 9th. And that's with a 13.747 second stop. So once again, everybody's got to do fuel and and wait there. We're all waiting on fuel. We have a restart lap 126 with the uh, 22 leading the field to the green. Um, At lap 140, the low lane is shuffling a little bit and um, they're back a little bit. It's three wide. Um he's back to about 15th at this point. Um, you know, like I said, everybody's kind of conserving fuel, and that's why they got three wide. Um, but by lap 140, somewhere between 147 and 149, he's in that low lane and it moves up. And he moves all the way up to third with that lane. Um, I think he was pushing somebody at that point, but he gets uh, that lane all the way up there. Um we got a caution at lap 163 here for the 42 and the two incident. Um and you know the two I mean the Kozlowski six, ends up being the six, yeah. Um yeah, why did I say two? I think you just so he's, he's he's still, still in the two. He, in my <laughs> head he's still in the two, yeah. Um, I knew what you meant. Thank you. And uh the forty two and the six and, and uh um uh, he uh yeah, he says that in an interview that, you know, hey, you know, it's kind of what it what it is, so that you know Cause somebody asked him, should he be qu- pushing Carson like that? And he, s- he made something to the effect of, Hey, you know, you're going to have to learn somehow. <laughs> yeah. He <laughs>
0: mentioned that he, the 42 had jumped up in front of him to mm-hmm. try to catch the momentum of the outside lane. And Brad basically was like, well, if you're going to do that, I'm going to push. And, uh, Austin's, uh, Dylan who got caught up and was out of the race in this crash did not, uh, <laughs> No. Appreciate that, and now Austin's another one of those drivers who is who is aggressive on speedways, but has also been wildly wildly successful in these types of races too. So he mm-hmm. knows. I think he has the clout to to make some of the comments that he made. But you know, he he basically said Brad shouldn't have been pushing him, which I think maybe he was pushing him in the tri-oval, possibly when that that occurred. Yeah, so, yeah. so but yeah, Carson happens. went to school real real quick. You know, he was having a good race. I mean, honestly, all the races he's filled in this year in that forty two car have been pretty. Uh, spectacular for somebody running their first cup races. So kudos to him until until it wasn't. He couldn't take yeah. a push, though, obviously. No, um,
1: not the, not that point. We had uh, about a 10-minute delay here, red flag, while they cleaned this up. Make sure the safer barriers are back in place properly. Um, they pit here. Um, four, fuel only. This is a four-second stop. I think this is the, the Pyrotech uh, pit stop of the race. Um, they were in sixth coming into the pit stop, out fourth. So mm-hmm. that gain you know a couple more spots up there uh restarting at lap 169 um a couple laps later we get a caution for the debris again there was still some debris out there from something must have fell off a car or something um so we're up to second at this point though so we're restarting at lap 176 now um p2 on the outside 48 on the inside um right before the restart here Riley Herbst is the guy pushing Ryan. And we, we might hear this later on in clips. I'm not sure. But, uh, Riley, first off Riley at Daytona, um, a couple weeks ago, he looked a little bit wild. Um, but his pre-race interview, um, on track that we got to hear, uh, was pretty interesting because he's talked about learning and trying to learn and he's getting to do these things. And, he, you know, um, this race, he looked like he's already learned some lessons and he's gotten better and better at it um josh I'll say he least, was
0: he was wild at daytona but he also ran up front he so ran up front. so if you just put that learning and that together mm-hmm. maybe that's where they together. got to here
1: yeah yeah and and, uh, and and uh what happens here before they get to this restart is josh knowing that the 36 is behind him on the shoes the next you know as they're coming around to the lap to start he asks ryan is there anything i need to tell the 36 and i think i think that's um Brian Keslowski is actually a Riley spotter. And uh, he, Ryan goes through a couple things that are basically super speedway type things about where to push and where not to push or whatever. And then says at the end of it, he says, besides that, bring it on. And when I heard that, I was like, Oh yeah, you know, he's ready for whatever's going to happen the next, you know, bunch of laps from here to the end. So um, really kind of cool to hear that uh, out of Ryan. Um, and, uh, you know, so we restarting that uh, lap. 176 here and uh you know the 48 in that low lane he helps organize basically the hendrick cards you know the 24 ends up right right behind him um you know and um at, by lap 177 all four hendrick cars are in that low line um ryan's actually pushing the 40 uh the four at this point in the high lane he gets up there and he's behind kevin and at lap 181 he's pushing kevin kevin to the to the lead and uh it's like a ford train versus a a chevy train basically yeah so um at lap 186 and we're the last two two laps here lap 186 uh the four drops to the low lane to block the 24 so now we've got riley behind ryan pushing ryan and at lap 187 um the 24 pushes the four way out. <laughs> He's like, you know, doesn't want him in front of him, pushes him way out. And this uh, pretty much starts to happen as they go down the back stretch on this last lap. And this is where it gets just, just a good, the highlights of this are just incredible. If you watch them, yeah. um, Ryan is in the high lane. Like I said, the four car gets pushed way out in the low lane. He sees Ryan's got momentum and starts to try to block the high lane as he does there's so much room there that Ryan gets gets his run and gets his run and starts to go below the 4 and the 4 does not make uh, you know he could have made a real dumb move and tried to block him and knocked him out and knocked everybody out um but the 4 holds his line Ryan does actually get to in front of the 24 and now he's racing with the 4 down the back stretch and, uh, the great thing about this is once they get that they're side by side, Ryan does not let the 24 get him way out of shape. He kind of backs up to him, takes the little bumps, backs up to him, takes the little bumps. And this is important because now the four cars racing next to Ryan and he's letting, um, keeping the, the 24 from making any kind of move the 24 is pinned to the bottom, the line on the outside is now right next to the twenty-four, so it can't he can't get out of there to do anything. You know, and he can't push Ryan far enough ahead um, because Ryan keeps backing up to him. Um, and, and this is something that you will hear. I think uh, we might end up hearing a little later on yep. from Josh. Uh, Josh does a great job. Ryan, you know, gets clear. He tells him he's clear as he gets there, and then he, you know he kind of tells him you know to keep him lined up. And um, the next Let's half lap. It. You know, yeah,
0: go let's ahead. just get to it. I'll go ahead. so if you've distra- described it really well, let's hear. Um, so uh, a, f- a fan has uploaded the, uh, and we've shared it on our team Blady, uh X Twitter page and, and elsewhere it's a, a sync up of the spotter audio and in Ryan's in car video. It's of the last like six and a half minutes of the race mm-hmm. itself, but I'm going to just go right to uh, right where we hit to the white flag lap. And right before Ryan makes us move on the backstretch that, uh, Steve just described, but let's hear how uh, Josh was making the call from the spotter stand and uh, how Ryan reacts. And actually, I think we're gonna we're gonna take this all the way from the white flag yeah. to the checker, and then we can yeah, talk about the end.
1: If you're going to Twitter real quick before you hit that, it's Andrew. Is his name? It's at b a s s o four eight eight Andrew, and his Twitter handles at b a s s o four eight eight. And you're you know want to go to that if you can. Let's go ahead, Aaron.
2: Half and tight, coming to the white. Still no toppling to worry about. Need back to that. Just one inside. Back to you, then half off. White flagger. Still inside. 36 getting a push back to you on your bumper. He's getting pushed to the seven on you. Still just one inside, white flagger. On you, still inside. He's still getting pushed the seven. Off of you now by half. Off by half and tight. So we push back to you here. Tight and tight. Coming back to the checker. Tighten and tight. Tighten and tight. You're getting pushed in the 7 behind. So tight and tight. You're all clear. All clear. Whatever you need. Outside just the 4. Half back 24. 24 is going to get pushed in the 9. It's outside your door. 24 getting hard push from the bottom. It's outside your door. You're clear. Don't get that 24 clear. Half to the bottom 24. He is not clear. 24 is not clear. The 4 will pull him back. Half back both lanes. 24 is going to help his teammate. That 4 is going help us off by half. Keep that 24 lined up. Forward 4 still half to the top. Still half to the top, 24 four, coming back outside here. Outside, 24 gonna get pushed to forwards is out by one. She's gonna low here, stay low, 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 low. Yes! Did we get it? Damn, all right, we got it. Woo! Oh my God! Let's go, man! Good job, Josh. Good job, Ryan. Good job, Josh. Thank you, guys.
3: Awesome. Thanks, Riley, for working with me there.
2: You did a really good job. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, everybody. That's so cool.
0: Well, congrats. You know what that means. Good job, buddy. Round baby! There you go. So, Steve, you just kind of described that. So talk about the importance of what Josh was telling Ryan about where the 24 was, where the help was to the four, and why it was so crucial. That he doesn't let the the twenty four get clear of the four, which is a mistake that a lot of guys make when they're leading these super speedway races at the end. they're so you know convinced they need to stay out front, get as big of a lead as possible, but if they help their line clear the other line, there's what there's an opportunity for somebody else to make a move,
1: yeah, you can hear Josh as he talks about their um First of all, how calm he remains doing all of this is incredible um uh, watching the whole race as a whole with him um I get this every weekend um but there is a certain tone, and it's 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 calming to you know with all the chaos going on around. It's extremely calming the way he does this um when he says clear um whatever you need uh, basically he's told you know he Ryan had cleared the twenty fourth that point um But you hear him at one point talk about the four will pull him back. So what he's done by backing up and trying to keep anybody from pushing him too far out is he's making it so those two lanes are the only two lanes racing that nobody else is like ducked out from behind somebody else. And this guy ducked out from behind somebody else. And that guy ducked out from behind somebody else and spread everything out to four or five wide. Um, And he's kept it so that he's getting his push and the four car is getting his push. Now, could it have, been the four car that won at the end yes it could have you know we we look at the the margin of victory you know 0.12 but what what um josh has done there is really helped him with you know knowing where everybody else around him as you're listening to him he's not just talking about the the uh the 24 but he's talking about the nine car pushing he also mentions uh you know riley ends up pushing the four but the seven is also pushing riley and, uh, you know, and he mentions that too. So he's keeping, you know, Ryan is somewhat driving with that rear view mirror too, but it's keeping him abreast of where the bumps are coming from, uh, who's actually closing distance and moving what guy into what guy, you know, cause it kind of like, you know, is a chain effect too. You're just going up the line. Um, but, uh, just incredible how well he does that and helps Ryan to control, um, you know, his line there. And control the race so that when they do get to, the, you know, the last couple hundred yards there, when they know it's, you know, all out that, you know, she's just going to get pushed from one guy and nobody's going to duck out from behind him. And, uh, it was just beautiful. <laughs> to, so, to...
0: uh, yeah, and with that, Ryan, uh, Ryan picks up his ninth career victory in the cup series. As far as points go, he does have a 10th win. If you count the all-star race. I think that was Team Penske's 141st victory in the Cup Series. Um, this is the second time in Ryan's career that he's won multiple races in one season. Um, so there's there's a lot of things to celebrate, and I definitely want to give a quick shout out to um, all these folks that have been uh, guests on the podcast. With I think still more to come uh, throughout this year and in in the years to come. But Crew Chief Jonathan Hassler, Tire Specialist Dave Nichols, uh, we also call Mule, uh, Engineer Tony Palmer. Spotter Josh Williams has been on with us multiple times throughout the years, and then obviously Ryan himself earlier on. Congratulations to every single one of them, plus everybody else on that, as they call the one-two crew, Um, all the fans out there. Obviously, I know what was happening in my living room uh, and some of the things. Uh, we've had to, you know, bleep out a couple of things in that uh, spotter audio, which I mean, I can't, you know, Josh almost never curses, never goes crazy. Um, uh, but you can tell just the emotion of the moment kind of overcomes those guys. Um, so I would say my living room was much like uh, Josh's reaction and then Ryan's uh, eventual reaction. Uh, how was it in the the stands there? I know you're sitting up high, but near pit entrance. Um mm-hmm. I'm guessing you're you're confirming I mean you're hearing it on the radio Josh confirming the win you're probably also watching the replay up on the board mm-hmm. um did you even have time to take in your surroundings or were you kind of just uh just <laughs> just caught up in the moment
1: I know that somebody turned to me and gave me a fist bump or something that I don't even know who it was um we grabbed each other the wife and I grabbed each other in a huge hug um we let everybody around us know that you won because uh I you know, they don't necessarily confirm it right away, but we've got confirmation because we're both sitting there listening to the radio. We got confirmation right away. And then we're hearing all those voices, um, you know, getting on the radio there, uh, Jonathan and and Ryan. Um, so yeah, we were just ecstatic, And we just kind of, you know, sat there for a while, um, absorbed it all in. Uh, we are texting you. Um, my, uh, my in-laws had called my wife. Um, we, uh we're we're messaging back and forth with uh you know uh our big fan of the show uh justin uh hughes because uh, he was down there yep. <laughs> and he got he got himself into pit lane there he had uh, he had some uh the passes that i think they're the ones that you guys got last time you were there uh so he got down to pit lane was actually sending a picture or two up there to us which was was great um but uh we try to absorb all the ceremonies before we end up leaving the track so uh uh, which we you know we needed to do because we, well, you know we were just riding riding quite the high and the team um you know i tried to take pictures of things like i, I did get a picture out to you of the guys um, uh, on pit road that jumped over the wall and they're all celebrating with each other um because we were right in front of that pit stall so um uh, yeah just a wonderful 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 time uh super excited to you know to get back here and talk to you about it actually you know because uh the fans, you know, there are a lot of Ryan fans there. And, you you know, you, as you're walking out, people see the shirts and they're all like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's still there are 36 other drivers or 30, you know, so they're fans of other guys and stuff, too. So it's, you know, you can't get the quite the full reaction. It's not like you're sitting at a uh, an NBA game and the crowd is for one team of the two, yep. you know. So it, it gets a little bit separated a little bit. But, um, yeah, it was a, a great uh Great moment uh, to be uh to be there live.
0: Yeah, definitely had to be. Um, like I said, I think there's kind of a, a lot of pent-up emotion here, almost like when he won the 600, too. You know, he ran out into the stands. He'd, he'd broken this winless streak. You know, since the, the 600, they had a, a pretty decent race at Sonoma. After that, though, the rest of the summer and leading up to this race, it, it, we haven't had a lot of really exciting things to talk about. They've had some mistakes along the way, some pit miscues, um, like I said, overall execution hasn't been great until the playoffs started, um, but it's really great to kind of see it all to come together. And as I mentioned, you know, I didn't mention these folks all being on the show just to name drop people. A lot of it is just, you know, when you get to know some of these people and you get to know their their backstories and how hard they're working. Um, when you see those guys on TV spraying champagne, high-fiving, jumping off, leaping off the pit wall in celebration. Taking photos in Victory Lane, knowing that every single person that I mentioned works long hours, mm-hmm. long weekends, travels all over the country, um, mostly for our entertainment. <laughs> basically, mm-hmm. um, you got to feel something for them. So uh, to see yeah. Dave Nichols I mean, multiple times on TV, spraying champagne. Yeah. I said he's you know on Facebook he's living his best life. Like it's awesome just to see things like that and know that their hard work is really paying off in in getting their second victory of the year.
1: You know, th- think about it, Josh. You know, we- we've talked to Josh a couple times. Josh has done some nice things for us, even over these years, and um, kind of given us some behind-the-scenes stuff. And you-, you imagine that he's did all that for that many hours um and he changes batteries on the fly you know he goes through seven eight nine batteries uh during a race the battery packs that go onto to this uh, thing because he's talking so much and they're on that radio so much you know and he executes it without you even knowing that it happened you know because you're listening to him um you know we talk about jonathan all the time and uh him and he had we had tony palmer on uh jonathan actually helped set that up for us you know and that's uh you know and you think about it tony was probably the one sitting there figuring out fuel mileage you know um, working with how much gas can they put in, how many seconds of gas, you know, once they've hooked it up and, uh, you know, the call on whether it's, you know, whether, it, you know, how many, you know, and Jonathan, whether to take the tires here or there, you know, and they did two, two, four tire stops, you know, during the, during the caution break, uh, stages, you know, and then, um, when everybody's coming to pit road and all those decisions, um, that, uh, Jonathan, uh, had to do, I mean, and then he, works all week long putting that car together making sure that it will run the way it ran all day long um and do the things ryan needs it to do uh, without having to make a lot of adjustments because they got no time for adjustments on of his pit stops you know so you're right getting to know all these guys and, and 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 you know you can't help but feel totally excited when everything gets put together the right way um and to help ryan have what he needs and then for him to pull off the move that he pulled off on the stretch. um was, you know, somebody playing chess versus some people playing checkers. I mean, the way he feathered his way um underneath the four-car and yet in front of the 24 without putting anybody in danger. I mean, that's the fun part about it, is the move didn't look wild to the point where anybody had to swerve out of the way or make a move. You know, sometimes you'll see that that happen on the backstretch and somebody will have to kind of duck down to the line because you know it, it was too herky-jerky uh he totally totally smooth move to the bottom to get in front of the 24 and then um pretty pretty smooth driving all the way around that last half lap to win the win the race uh and you know, like i said i was so excited you know not only to see him win but then for all those guys who put in all that hard work at team penske uh you know we heard about a week or two ago that there was a a big meeting there and you know people were you know Having you know airing, and I don't know what the meeting was about, but it was a team you know team Penske meeting for all the teams, and um, looks like that uh, some of the, whatever they talked about actually you know helped uh, helped them work it out.
0: So you just mentioned that move move on the backstretch. We broke it down a little bit, talked about how important it was uh, with the way he was taking and receiving and and keeping the twenty four in in check. Um, I mentioned at the top of the show we've got some audio from Ryan's post race interview and press conference. Uh, so that's the first thing he talks about here is uh, how he worked with the 24 there and uh, talks a little bit about the victory. So let's listen to that.
3: I mean, I think the biggest thing was was getting clear to the bottom down the backstretch in front of the 24 to get alongside the four, you know, and that made it to where, okay, now it's a drag race between he and I. And my big, the biggest job too was making sure the 24 didn't get clear. So I kind of had a drag break to make sure the four stayed outside the 24 to kind of, make sure one of us won and, and made sure the 24 couldn't jump outside of me and, and made sure I had his help. So um, yeah, just a, a neat day, fun day. It's always fun to win these things and you have to appreciate them because they're so hard to do. And we hung in there all day and, and fun to drag race Kevin there at the end. Uh, I, I hate it was it had to be us to beat him at his final speedway race, but uh, uh, you know, it was definitely fun to, to race with someone like that, especially coming down to the end where it's, it gets pretty wild.
0: So Ryan, uh, mentions that again, he goes over the, the move with the 24 car. Um, we, I alluded to it a little bit, but the, the four car eventually gets disqualified in post-race inspection. So, um, man, imagine if he did beat Ryan to the line, it's like one of those things. I, I talk with the folks in our discord chat who were, you know, totally elated with this victory and were chatting all night long, uh, about, you know, when that news came out, I'm like, man, what if, what if the four had beat us? And by us, I mean, the 12 team, what if the 24 had beat the 12 team? Like, how would we, or the, the four had beat the 12 team. How would we feel, you know, an hour later getting the news that actually, you know, Ryan wins, you know, I mean, I think I'd still be excited. I'd be glad he'd, he'd get that punch that ticket to the round of eight, all that. But I'm so glad he beat him to the line um, because man, that would have just been so weird uh unfortunate for kevin he he loses that goes all the way back and what i think the, the penalty was the, the fasteners for the windshield had come loose and you have to keep them tight all race long they've made some announcements already saying they're not going to appeal though uh crew chief rodney childers kind of took exception with it saying you know none of this was intentional but they just kind of popped out as the race went and they'll take a look at it but um definitely uh definitely glad that ryan because it just you know just just fought off any kind of major controversy you know you know kevin winning in his last year this is amazing nascar dqs it and then not only that hands ryan a victory which is crucial to a guy that is below the cut line like the controversy would have just been insane so i'm glad we dodged all of that by ryan Mm -hmm. making super smart moves out there on the track and uh taking the win himself Um, uh, Next up here, we're going to hear from uh, another friend of the show here, Crew Chief Jonathan Hassler, and uh, what he had to say on the victory. Yeah, just, uh, you know, obviously, um, I feel like over the last couple of years, we've had a really good speedway program. I feel like we've been, you know, in contention to to win several of them. Um, So, you know, coming into the day, um, we thought we had a really good chance. We just needed to, and I told the guys this morning, um, you know, we don't need to go out and do anything different. We just need to do what, what we've been doing uh, execute and, and we'll be in good shape. Um, and I did that and, and we were in position
2: and, and Ryan did a great job there. With
0: you can tell Jonathan yeah. really has that Midwestern hard work business mm-hmm. attitude. We just got to execute. We got to do what we got to do. And, uh, you know, his third trip to victory lane with Ryan Blaney, second in a points race, Gotta feel excited for that guy.
1: Yeah. His, um, he he calls his guys team 12, uh, you know, and, uh, he puts together, uh, these guys have been together and we we, went, we met raymond fox last year actually uh, after one of the races um so you know what they put together and what they bring to the track it's just incredible um especially at super speedways um we know the qualifying efforts the last couple of years have always been there but um what ryan is able to do maneuvering the car uh during the race uh is really incredible in daytona this year um uh the daytona summer race this year uh, till till things happened uh, the way they did he that could have been a winning car too so you know as long as he stayed kept it clean and josh definitely kept it clean all day uh you know <laughs> they're in pretty good shape
0: now roger penske was in the house again uh he's pretty active throughout the day on the radio right
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. See, he jumps in at the beginning wishes him luck um likes to come on once in a while and just you know like especially during a caution or something and tell uh tell ryan what, what a good job he's been doing and uh you know if there's something he sees uh he might jump in there a little bit with uh you know, something he might see that he, you know, you, you can't argue with that guy's experience in, in any kind of auto racing. So, uh, you know, anything that uh, Roger can add during the day is definitely helpful. Here's what Roger had to say post-race.
3: Ryan did a great job. Um, He was doing a good race. Uh, he was beating himself up last week because of the uh, speeding in the pits. But I uh, said, so let's forget that. And Jonathan gave him a great car. And certainly the, when you think about, uh, the Roush Yates horse part didn't hurt, us. you can see that today. So it was just a perfect execution, good pitch, good strategy. And uh, he was very calm, which is key for him. And uh, during that middle part of the race, right, when we were a little bit behind, he stayed in the right lane and saving fuel, and at the end, it worked out.
0: So, yeah, like you said, always great to hear from the captain. You could tell he was pretty pumped up. Uh, some of the victory lane photos, he's got a huge smile on his face. I think a lot of people... Uh, have noticed, and he kind of himself has had a kind of a a sweet I don't know how, how to describe it, like a sweet spot for Ryan. Like, you know, he, I don't want to say he discovered Ryan, but with, you know, Brad and then running for his truck team, he brings Brian along. Um, he's always been a big fan of his. Anytime Ryan's had some struggles throughout the years or didn't pick up a win or something like that, you could tell um, Ro- Roger just really likes Ryan as a person, Ryan as a driver. And uh, he mentions, you know, post race that. Ryan deserved this win, and I think he just saw how close he was to winning so much last year and just falling short of the championship four and then finally getting that win earlier this season and then now getting a multi win season. So uh really good to see Roger at the track and looking forward to to seeing him there as uh, the races move on all the way until Phoenix. So one surprising thing that happened after uh, Ryan crosses the finish line here and, and makes his way back around to the front stretch. Uh, he, he keys up the radio and says and kind of his hesitant he kind of says guys I think I'm going to do a burnout <laughs>
1: yeah can I can I do can I do one I think is the way he put it he, I'm yeah. like and then like, he so, does it yeah I'm in, like, shock, what was, in shock what's <laughs> happening
0: I immediately tweeted like OMG a burnout and you know yeah. for all the people that you know I don't care what level of Ryan Blaney fan you are but um, he has not done a burnout and found out that his last burnout was in the uh, truck series uh, when he won a race at Bristol. It's the last time he's done a burnout in a in a NASCAR vehicle outside of uh, burnout on the Boulevard and some of those things mm-hmm. they've done for All Star Weekend or for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uh, championship uh, or the the banquet weekend or something like that. But after competition, he's basically done like a half Polish victory lap, got the flag, Mm -hmm. given it to the kid or uh, it's Coke 600 ran into the stands and gave the flag to a kid eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I mentioned this like pent up emotion from having such a tough summer stretch Mm -hmm. to finally, you know, executing a race the whole way. I think even like he feels like he gave away an opportunity last week. Roger mentioned that in his, his clip there um so i think all of that emotion came out in him him doing a burnout and it wasn't like a super big long one but it was a good one the photos out there are amazing yeah Uh, so anybody i would just you know peruse uh twitter facebook and and team penske stuff and maybe save some of those photos to your photo album because really cool to see but um what were your thoughts from the stands when you kind of see the smoke
1: yeah, we got uh, totally, totally blown away by it. Uh, totally threw us off guard. And so people are going, he's doing a burnout, like surprise, you know, people, people know that he doesn't. Um, but I heard him say that on the radio and I'm like, I think he's going to do one. And it's like, you know what? With all the pent up emotion and the fact that, uh, this, you knowing what this race does for the rest of the season, how it sets up the next four weeks, at least, um, yeah, I guess go for it, you know? And it was a modest one; it didn't he didn't go crazy, you know. <laughs> so post race, Ryan kind of went into this. He's he
0: he describes the the moment when he talked about saying he's going to do a burnout, and uh, uh, someone in the press corps actually, you know, wasn't really familiar with it, and poses that question: why Why don't you do it?
3: I was debating whether to do a burnout or not. I usually don't do them, but I was really really excited, so I did one. So yeah, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. But now it's uh, a special feeling, especially like I said earlier, when you can win here. It's, it's really hard to do, and, and you have to appreciate those, uh, those moments. Why don't you get burned out? Uh, you don't know. Uh, Dale Inman pulled me aside one day, and uh, he said, Hey, you don't see the winner of the Kentucky Derby get off his horse and start beating the <laughs> out of it. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: so. So that's why I don't do burnouts. Well, I didn't do a burnout after one race. And he was like, I like how you don't do burnouts. Cause, and then he told me that story. And I was like, well, I'm definitely not. Gonna, she might be mad at me for doing one and breaking our, our rule. But yeah, the Inman quote. Yeah, no problem.
0: So that's kind of a a funny story. He's kind of told short versions of that before. Usually just mentions, you know, I don't want to mess up the equipment. I just always thought it'd be cool to be. Ryan's a very old school guy, old school shirts and hats and uh, old school celebration. But um, I don't think this is going to start a trend. I think this is maybe going to be saved for when he gets, you know, really monumental victories. And for him, Mm -hmm. this where he was below the the playoff cut line and this punches his ticket to the next round, I think. Um I kind of like it every once in a while. It's it's good in uh in what moderation. I think it, I'll do it and uh the press corps definitely really yeah. enjoyed that story.
1: <laughs> it was good. It was a good story.
0: Um saw so uh, a tweet from uh MRN and SiriusXM's XMs Dave Moody earlier today that said, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but basically, you know, everyone always says these super speedway races are kind of wild cards and anybody could win, but you know, often a lot of the same guys are winning. These most often Um, for Ryan Blaney, that's true. Four of his nine career victories are now on drafting tracks, super speedways between these three wins at Talladega, uh, the win at Daytona in this form of racing. Ryan, I mentioned in our discord chat with some folks, you know, it's really, it's almost magical or it's just every one of these races, unless he's taken out early in some fluke, like he was in the Daytona 500 several, uh, you know, four or five years ago, he finds his way to the front. He wins stages, controls the race. Now this one was a little bit weird. He did win a stage, didn't necessarily control the race. He ran up front, uh, but didn't lead a ton of laps. I think he was just kind of in the single digits on lap sled, but that 12 car, no matter the old generation car, this new generation car binds his way to the front every single time. And uh, he kind of talked about that a little bit about why he likes these drafting tracks and what his mindset is going into. It. And I thought this was interesting.
3: People have, two opinions on speedways either they love them or they hate them with a passion and I kind of made the decision I'm going to love these places and I'm going to accept if something bad happens to me here right if you get in a wreck that's not your fault right you're just going to accept it and not stress out about that and once you kind of put that in your head of you're just accepting that these things can happen here now you can focus on trying to run well and win right you're not worried about all this stuff for coming here disliking the track like oh I can't stand being here the speedway races are dumb you know it's not really the right mindset to have. So I just kind of <laughs> did that early on and, and it's, you know, benefited us, uh, mindset wise coming to these places. And yeah, it means a lot to win here. I grew up watching dad race here for a long time. Uh, I love the area. Uh, the fans here are spectacular and, um, being able to meet a bunch of people has, has been fun and getting to know a lot of people, you know, from the speedway also has, has been amazing. And, um, you know, just really fortunate to, to have, uh, good friends and, friends here that, that treat me like family so um yeah really spent and i think you appreciate these things more because it's so hard to win at these places you know it's just such a up in the air thing you never know if it's going to work out for you or not so i you have to really appreciate whenever you can win here and and it's uh really really fortunate we've been lucky enough to win here three times
1: you know uh you know i've said this before i think in, in a podcast before that uh you get to be up in the front a lot more often in these things. And then people start to follow you and want you to be in the front. Um, and it kind of reminds me of Dale jr. Um, and he's starting to starting to get to some numbers at super speedways, you know, and Dale jr. Was the same way. It was like, you got used to seeing him up there and other guys on the track trusted, that dale jr knew he was doing so same thing you you talk if you talk to 36 guys in the garage besides ryan and ask them who they think is a is one of the better guys at it they'll tell you ryan and during a race they probably feel a little more comfort and ease knowing that he's out near the front than other guys you know because sometimes you know like we discussed earlier about this guy or that guy out in front and they look squirrely um, Ryan is able to control a race sometimes from the front or the front couple rows in a manner that, uh, just doesn't seem as dangerous as, as other guys when they get out there. So, um, you know, Dale jr's, you know, got many more years experience of doing it. But, uh, I think as, as time goes on, we're seeing more and more that Ryan, Ryan drives quite, quite well, at Super Speedway, just like, uh, Dale.
0: Yeah. One thing I really liked that he talked about was the fact that, you know, it's not lost on him what it means to win at talladega this is one of nascars it's not a crown jewel event but it is one of the, the series most historic tracks well-known tracks talked about you know in pop culture has a following just by that that movie that came out so even people that don't follow the sport know what talladega is mm-hmm. um it's funny early in the the season ryan before the the spring race which we both went to was inducted into the talladega super or the talladega like walk of fame which is like a it's not a hall of fame but it's like a walk of fame that's in downtown in the city uh downtown talladega alabama which you know it's not like a huge city or anything but they have like a park and it's something that they've actually restarted within the last few years um that just kind of has several different drivers going all the way back to the early days up into the modern era and people like it was funny on on the just the nascar posts about it kind of questioned like you know right and who's this you know 20-something guy, why does he deserve to be on the, in the Talladega Walk of Fame? And um, his numbers there are great. Three wins now. Uh, going into this race, he had back-to-back second-place finishes where he was, you know, you know, if Michael McDowell in the the fall race last year would have just stuck with him and pushed, you know, Ryan probably wins that race over Chase Elliott. Uh, Bubba and Ryan didn't work too well together in the spring race. Ryan finishes second. Um, you know, everything came together perfectly in this case, with the 24 actually sticking with him to the end and, and helping push him to the victory there. So, um <laughs> if he wasn't deserving in the spring, I think with his three victories now that I, I believe tied him with some big names out there, uh Allison's and Yarbrough's and and such. So uh Three wins at Talladega in the Cup Series, I think it's is pretty impressive. So the next time you're out there, if you want to stop by in, in downtown Talladega, Alabama, you can go and check out the Walk of Fame, and Ryan has a has a plaque there uh, talking about it. Well, well-deserved, I think. So, Steve, this has been a, a weird season. You know, we went through last season. We've mentioned it, I think, already in this this show. Super consistent all year long. Lots of top fives, lots of top tens. Didn't pick up a points-paying win. Did win the All Star race, misses the the Championship Four, uh, but just a, a tiny bit, few points. Go to one Phoenix two. Um, this year, not all, this is only his fifth top five of the season, and two of those were wins. Um, he has a decent amount of top tens, but it, it the way it's looking, the rest of the year he is going to hit some career lows. How do you judge the performance they had last year versus the performance they have this year, where they they have the two victories? I mean the wins have to mean so much more right than just the the consistency is great they they could have had a chance to win the championship last year but i think it almost shows you there's there's a lot of different avenues to get to the the championship round
1: yeah you know um the, the peaking at the right time is more than anything else you know you win that race early in the season and it gives you that uh that feeling um uh, that well you that you're in the playoffs you know you're in the playoffs you know um, from that point forward, uh, sometimes some of these teams will work toward what they have to do once they get to the playoffs. Um, but you know, really that it's, it's more about peaking at, at the right time and coming together. Like we talk talked about the different things with the crew and the, you know, and so forth. Um, now, you know, this is gr- what's great about this is, this is just like Joey last year. You know, you win one within a round. And that sets up that whole next round, or joey last Joey last year wins one early on in, in the round of eight and knows he's going to the championship four um so same type of thing you know you you won this one, you know you're in the next eight, um peaking at the right time, maybe you win one or early in the next round, you know, take all the pressure off, you can win vegas, you know, think of something like that um but that's really what it all comes down to is getting to once you're in the playoffs you know, and uh, peaking at the right time. And then uh, right now they have unfinished business compared to last year. That's the way I feel like uh, they got some unfinished business that they want to attend to in the next four weeks. And uh, let's see how they do uh, in that round of eight. Here's what
0: Ryan said about the season so far.
3: Yeah, it's kind of been up and down. I feel like we were, you know, really solid until uh, I went in in Charlotte. And then, then we kind of, we kind of lost our way a little bit after the break and, um, just struggled, uh, you know, to kind of find speed and put together races and making mistakes. Whether it's my mistakes or pit road, and I feel like we've done a good job as the playoffs have started to kind of managing these races like we need to and kind of getting back on track. So, yeah, it's it's kind of weird. But I feel like we had a, you know a lot more top fives last year and and contended for more wins probably, uh, but didn't execute very good. And I feel like this year we've executed pretty good, especially the two thirds point of this year. And and that's something to to be super proud of. And it's definitely shown that we've, you know, done a good job of of believing in each other and just doing our job, you know? And uh, so those guys are awesome at that.
0: So from here, Steve, uh, for the fifth time in his career, Ryan Blaney is headed to the round of eight. Obviously uh, we're going to talk about the Robo in a a few minutes, but um, to jump ahead a little bit, you, you mentioned peaking at the right time. Um, that's something that we haven't necessarily seen in the playoffs for Ryan Blaney in the past. Um, you know, going in a couple of years ago, they won back to back races before the playoffs. Um, then they immediately, I think had an issue at Darlington that set them back in the points and, and they have an early exit. And last year, um, it seemed like every round was like by the skin of their teeth. There's mistakes and crashes, and cars had to be fixed, and drivers had to, you know, you know, Kurt Busch doesn't go out, and Ryan doesn't even make the playoffs. I mean, it just, and he just was able to because of their consistency and a lot of the the points they built up over the year, even without the wins, kind of kept them going through in the rounds. Um, I feel like you like you said they kind of have some momentum here going into the round of eight. The only thing that Concerns me a little bit, maybe is the speed issue that they've kind of had Um, maybe a little bit flicker of light is the fact that Texas, um, even though they didn't necessarily have winning speed, they kind of had top five speed, at least enough to stay in people's way and and hold those positions. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we do have tracks like Las Vegas and Homestead coming up. That um, speed is going to be really, really important going in, into this round of eight. Um, but if he can survive and get to Martinsville, which is statistically one of his best tracks and one of the places where they do need to finally put together a full
1: race, uh, I think they can go out and, and win the the darn thing. Yeah, the, um, you know, Jonathan will tell you that all the mile and a halfs are different, and it's really, yeah, you know, not what it used to be. Used to think, well, they go to a mile and a half; it's all the same. Um, but no, they all are different now. And so setups are all different. So um, what happens in, you know, in a couple of weeks, Vegas and Homestead, it'll be really interesting to see what you what you said about speed. Um, it might be better than we think. And, uh, you know, we've got an extra, basically an extra week to work on that, too, because, uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and race the Roval this week and hopefully maybe get some points out of it. But, uh, you know, I'm sure that uh, the pressure being off now, they can actually start to look forward a little bit to that round of eight and the things they have to do in that round.
0: Post-race uh, in, in the press conference, Ryan did talk about uh, what they need to uh, do during the playoffs and kind of talks a little bit more about execution and avoiding mistakes.
3: Yeah, I think just learning from mistakes. You know, I feel like I uh, made mistakes last year. I made two massive mistakes and kept us out of Phoenix, you know. So I think learning from prior experiences uh, is, is beneficial there. Obviously, you need your cars to be fast enough because it gets it gets super tough. And these racetracks are you know, there's no super speedway. There's no road course. It's like traditional tracks. And um, and then it gets super hard. I mean, you when everything resets, you have guys that have tons of points. Um, today helped us out a little bit, but uh, a couple guys have way more playoff points than us. So, no, I think if we can just learn from past mistakes and, uh, and have our, our cars fast and just, you know, not mess up, really. I mean, you have to perform. So, um, no, I, I think just believe in each other and and, been, and continue to work. You know, I feel like our cars haven't been quite the speed they needed to be to compete with maybe like the five or, uh, you know, the 11 has been fast, but I, I think we're, we're still working and it's going to be a big shot in the arm for us. So I'm excited to see what we have for them when we unload in Vegas.
0: Yeah, totally echo those thoughts. I think a shot in the arm is a good way to put it. This could give them some the momentum that they need, um, headed into, uh, into this, this, this final round before the the championship four and. I don't know. I'm, I'm more of a glass half full kind of guy right now. Sometimes this yeah. point in the season, I, I, I lean a little bit toward negativity or worrying, uh, but to see them, everything start to come together here, get a victory, get some positive momentum in their direction. And like you said, maybe we'll see, we'll be surprised a little bit by the speed they unload with over the, the next four or five races.
1: Yeah. It'd be really, really interesting um, because when you get to the round of eight, you basically got to beat four guys. That's what you're thinking about is beating four guys. If three guys within the playoffs win the three races, then you got to beat, you know, the other the other uh, four on points. Um, but he's not going to be that far behind them on points. He just gained six points this week. So when they reset the points, you know, he'll have, what I think, what, 14 or something like that um, when they reset the points. Or, so he's not going to be that far below a cut line right off the bat within week one he can get there. Um, be interesting to see if uh, somebody from outside the playoffs wins one or two of those races too, because that, that'll change things too, and make it more open to, to guys making it on points. Um, but we, uh, you know, he alluded to what happened last year and we don't really have to rehash totally all of that. Um, but know that they had what it took last year, even though they did not win a race last year, they had what it took to get to the championship four, and, uh, right now, being the only one in this round of eight, you know, there's, there's nothing but everybody at team Penske looking at what to do to help that 12 car, you know, and we saw the 22 and the two help within the race this past weekend. And we'll see things in practice and in qualifying in the next weeks to come uh, where that 22 and two will do things and they'll work on things and maybe there'll be a setup thing and they'll be able to change something out. You're going to see nothing but that full effort to try and help Ryan and, 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 uh, Jonathan, uh, get what they need out of that car.
0: So let's take a look at the NASCAR Cup Series playoff standings and happy to report something that we have not seen since late May, early uh, June here is that Ryan Blaney is near the top of the standings because of that victory they just scored at Talladega Super Speedway. So locked into the next round are the 24 of William Byron and the 12 car of Ryan Blaney. Uh, now, here's where the points pop into here. Denny Hamlin is plus 50 to the cut line. Christopher Bell is plus 22. Chris Busher is plus 19. Martin Truex Jr., the regular season champ, who's continued to struggle in this round of the playoffs as well. Uh, a little bit better than he was going into the, the cutoff race of Bristol. He's plus 17. Uh, Kyle Larson, plus 15. And this is where it gets sketchy. Brad Keselowski, who got in that accident at Talladega with uh, the 42 car, he did win. A stage and got a playoff point, so it helped him a little bit. But Brad Keselowski is in the eighth position, just plus two to the cut line. Uh, Again, this is a round of 12, so keep that in mind. Uh, In ninth, Tyler Reddick is minus two, Bubba Wallace minus nine. Bubba had a great couple of, you know, string of races going on here. Um, They just did not execute. At all at Talladega, and that really hurt that team. So they're minus nine to the cut line. Now, Ross Chastain, I had that caught up in that unfortunate incident early in the race when the 47 car ran out of fuel and everybody got bunched up on the outside. Ross went from above the cut line going into Talladega to now minus 10 points. And uh, a disastrous round continues for the eight car and Kyle Busch here, who is in a must win situation going into the Roval for sure at minus 26 points to the cut line. So those are the 12 drivers still competing in the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. But Reddick, Wallace, Chastain, Bush, all below the cut line. Uh, Keselowski, just two points above it there heading into the race at the Roval. But as I said, Ryan Blaney is up there in second position right now. Uh, with locked in with that victory uh, picked up uh, six playoff points five with the win one with the stage win so that's going to help him going into the next round the round of eight most likely will start that round unless he wins uh, the roval which he is a past winner there uh, less he was a is most likely going to go into the round of eight below the cut line but hopefully by only maybe 10 points at most if if they have a good weekend next week so um Congratulations again to the 1-2 team, Ryan Blaney, Jonathan Hassler, everybody else at Team Penske that made that happen. Um, I could just go on forever. I love these these win episodes, but we do have a couple more uh, things to take care of business-wise the rest of the way. And I'm yeah. sure some folks that are deep into our Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League have been itching this whole episode so far to, uh, to get an update on where everything stands. And we're going to start that by taking a look at what our lineups were for Talladega. Uh, myself, Team Blaney, host Adam. My team started. Joey Logano got me twenty-four points. Eric Almirola, the pole sitter, got me twenty. Brad Keselowski, unfortunately, it got me only got me fifteen, but thankfully did win that stage, got me a little bit more points. Teammate Austin Sindrick, man, um, had an up and down day for sure. Was a lap down at one point, uh, I think, due to a, a speeding penalty. I think on pit road, rebounds for fifth place pin- finish and gets me thirty-seven points. Ryan Blaney, the winner. Uh, Ranked second in points earned on the weekend, I think just behind the 24 car, 50 points. I had Austin Dillon in the garage, did not fare well in the featured matchups. I had Ryan over Kyle Busch, that was right. I had Bubba over Tyler Reddick, that was wrong. I had Keselowski over Larson, that was wrong. I had Chastain over Martin Truex Jr., that was wrong. So I ended up with just 156 points total and uh, 24th in points earned for the weekend at Talladega. Now you didn't probably have the opportunity to swap people in and out of the garage. You're probably a little bit more preoccupied with what was happening at the race. And I don't remember what Wi-Fi standards were like there, (laughs) but, um, they weren't bad uh, actually. That's good. So, but, um, what did your uh, team look like going into this weekend?
1: Yeah. I had Bubba Wallace, Chris Buescher, Brad Keselowski, Ryan, and then Austin Cindrick. Um, I just, I don't know why I just kind of decided he was starting up near the front that he'd be up there to help. And, and (laughs) he did. Um, uh but Brad finishing 32nd really kind of hurt there. I had Joey in the garage. So if I would have swapped that out um when I could have, it would have been an extra like nine points. So it's nothing like huge. Where I really lost out was I only made ten bonus points on the uh on the selections. I had Ryan over Kyle Bush, and the other three I had the the guy who finished lower and you know, Bubba lost to Tyler. Brad lost to Kyle Larson and Ross lost to Trick. So um yeah that that's where you know that's 30 points there that you know just did not get um but you know what i don't care <laughs> this <laughs> this week after this week of you know i really you know i i you know i said something to my wife at one point oh i should check my fantasy team after it was over i'm like i should just check it to see what happened because i couldn't remember who i picked um you know uh, especially watching what we watch so uh i'll get back to it this week at the rove. we'll figure it out we'll get get some points together this week
0: So Mez12 ended up in a four-way tie for the 34th position in points earned from Talladega with 144 points. Again, I was 24th, uh, 156 points earned. So let's take a look at the top 10, and that's actually going to start out with a two-way tie for ninth. Go Larson, Blaney's Daisy, 186 points, and eighth, Blaring Idiots, 190 Uh, Tie for six here between our friend of the the show and Discord, Jordan Daniels, and my wife, uh, Rogers T. 194 points earned. Uh, Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing, two-time champion of the Team Blade and Asgard Fantasy Live League, starting to come back on strong here in the playoffs. I think they have uh, a ways to go to get back up there in the overall standings. Fifth position for Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing, 195 points earned. Fourth, Glitterbugs, 198. Third, the Prime Minister 3, 200. Uh, second NASCAR, not 12 to 15 in leading the way is Fike 21 in the first position, 221 points earned at Talladega. Now let's take a look at the overall standings or the, well, let's look at the playoff standings in the team in NASCAR fantasy live league. And in the, let's take a look at you. Mez 12 12th position tied for twelfth, but along with JD racing at 961 points. So you have fallen out of the top 10 year, uh, but you're still pretty close. In the 10th position, Blaney's Daisy, 972. In 9th, 0, Schlitz-Given, 974. Tie for 7th here, Team Blaney host Adam and Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing, 980 points. Uh, three-way tie for 4th here, Moose Hunter, 1960, Go Larzen and Rogers T, 983 points. So the Rogers household is on fire in the playoffs <laughs> both of us sit in, in the top 10 here third blaring idiots 985 second whip wilson 1011 points and leading the way our winner from the week is also the overall leader in the playoff standings Fike 21 1037 points now here's where it all matters the overall standing so these are points earned all year long in the team blading nascar fantasy live league I'm going to have to take a look. I'm still hanging out in the 34th position. Team Blaney host Adam, 5,589 points. Mez 12, holding down the 15th position, 5,812 points. Now let's take a look at the top 10 in the overall standings. Christian Dana, 10th, 5,868. Ninth is Alyssa C, 8th is Whip Wilson, 5,875. Seventh is Eric D15, 5,929. Six is Penske Fan 24. 5,949 fifth is blaring idiots Nine five 5,965 fourth is fike 12 5,968 third is go larson eleven. Second factory of sadness 6 has fallen out of the lead this is a major development <laughs> a few bad weeks in a row here for factory of sadness 6 and they have lost the lead 6,107 points blaney's daisy is now the leader and the Team Blaney and Fantasy Live League, 6,109 points, just two points ahead. Man, this is getting tight coming down the stretch here between Blaney's Daisy, Factory of, Se- Se- uh, Factory of Sadness 6, and uh, I'll even say Go Larson has an outside chance here. So this is going to be really interesting to follow the rest of the way. If you guys follow us on social media. Uh, give us a shout out. Let us know who you are. Um, we're rooting for y'all. <laughs> that, that's all I'll say. This,
1: this week, this week is um, we'll talk about uh, scramble. Um, this week here, depending on how many uses you you have left, because now we're past five races. So if you use somebody up for all five, you're done with them. Um, but what happens during this race, uh, especially since they're bringing back the cautions uh, to the stage breaks? Um. Who's racing for the win versus who's racing for stage points, and you may want to set your lineup accordingly. You may, hopefully you could read a couple articles and find out what some of these guys' game plans are, because um, some may be racing just for stage points, you know. And if they're doing that, they might gain fifteen points during the two stages, uh, and then still get like a top twenty finish and and rack up a bunch of points. Um, otherwise if you pick the guy you think is going to win the race, that's great, but he may not race for stage points at the end of the stages. Yeah. He's setting himself up. He might pit before the end of a stage to set himself up for later in the race where he's actually out in front, um, you know, which may get him the points for winning, but if he didn't get any stage points, you know, the guys who got stage points might pass him. Um, so really interesting this week to look at your lineup based on those two factors, you know, especially playoff guys and what they might try to do to get above the cut line.
0: So let's jump into that discussion discussion of the weekend, kicking it off with our NASCAR on TV report for the Charlotte Motor Speedway Road Course, better known as the Roval. Will this be the last year of the Roval? I think we're going to find out in a couple of days here. Uh, It seems like the NASCAR Cup Series schedule will be coming out soon. Uh, So kicks off this weekend, Saturday, October 7th, noon Eastern time, the NASCAR Cup Series qualifying at the Roval no note that this is going to start on the NBC sports app at noon, and then it's going to be joined a half hour later, 1230 PM Eastern time on USA. So a little bit weird. I'm not sure what the disconnect is there or what's going to be on early on, but um, so that's going to th- probably, yeah, probably, probably stalker. stalker. <laughs> so it's going to start on the NBC sports app at noon. You're not going to miss too much. Uh, you might miss group a practice, but 1230 PM Eastern time on the USA network. If you don't have the NBC sports app, you can catch Qualifying, uh, followed by three p.m. Eastern Time, the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Drive for the Cure, 250 at the Roval. That will be on NBC. And then Sunday, the big race, 230 p.m. Eastern Time, the NASCAR Cup Series, Bank of America, Roval 400 Again on NBC. I mentioned the rest of the way. All of the cup races are on NBC, the main network, all the way through the championship race at Phoenix. Uh let's take a look at Ryan Blaney's stats when it comes to the Roval. Um Everybody knows, got that victory in the very first year of the race, uh, put himself in position, was running great, running third, when Truex and Jimmy Johnson got into each other on the front stretch chicane. Ryan Blaney slides through, and I say slide because he was sideways coming out of the chicane, Mm -hmm. holds it together, steals the victory. Um, Going into last year's race, he had four straight, Top 10 finishes, first, eighth, fifth, ninth. And you just had a great discussion about fantasy points and the way these mm. these drivers play this race. Um, we didn't have those stage breaks with cautions earlier in the season. They've decided to bring them back to the Roval after a couple lackluster, uh, well, some people thought lackluster road course races where the fields got spread out. Um, so Ryan Blaney in this race last year was desperate for points. He and teammate Joey Logano flipped the stages, or I don't know if that's flipping the stage or not. No, they didn't flip. They stayed out, got points early on in the race. The next gen car is extremely hard to pass with on road courses. They were stuck in the back the rest of the way finished 26, but with the points that they earned, they ended up transferring on into the next round of the playoffs, So that strategy was really important for them at that time. And for me in the stands, didn't create a very exciting race because I was a little sad watching them run in the back. Uh, But with all of that, Ryan has an average start of 10.8, an average finish of 9.8 at the Roval one win, two top fives, four top tens.
1: Yeah. Like I said, now Ryan uh, this week could, could run for, uh, you know, trying to win a stage. I mean, if they, if they're in the right position, um doing that uh might be you know worth that extra point or two for the playoff points um they may try to w- race for the win so that you can get that five extra points um kind of hard to tell right now what what they're thinking is <clears throat> but if you are christopher bell who's 22 above Bushler, who's 19 above truex who's 17 above or larson who's 15 above the cut line guarantee you those four cars will race for stage points um because really truthfully if they accumulate enough stage points in both the stages uh, a guy like uh, bell could almost crash out in the third stage because if he's gotten uh, 18 or 20 stage points he'll be that far above the cut line and that far above all the other guys where he won't have to worry about it um and the thing about that is like uh, you know guys like redick wallace uh, Chastain, especially um will be trying to race for the win um and uh So you're going to see of those guys, you know, four, three or four going one way, three or four going the other way on it. And uh, it'll leave a bunch of stage points for a lot of guys who aren't even playoffs, you know, at that point. Um, What's going to be interesting is like a guy like Larson um, can do this. And somewhere along the line, somehow, if he's that good and he sometimes is, uh, he'll win a stage, finish high, you know, or, or. you know, stay out and then stay out and win the second stage. And then at the end of the race, he's ring the top five. You know, he, he's one of those guys that all of a sudden will just maximize everything he can out of the race and, and get himself up in there. Um, so, you know, things like that, you got to kind of look out and see who's going to do what, when you're, when you're putting your fantasy team together.
0: So, uh, Ryan Blaney overall on road courses in his career has an average finish of 14.4. Uh, prior to this season, that average finish was much lower. And quite honestly, in the next gen era, I don't even want to do the math to tell you what that average finish is. but I'll name them out here. Um, we started off great and then it got really bad. And then in the last couple races, it's gotten back to kind of where he was, uh, in the previous generation car. So we're going to go back to 2022 when they, uh, debuted the next gen car, uh, these are just, I'm not gonna necessarily name off the tracks, but these are finishes on road courses. Sixth, sixth, eleventh, and here's where it took a turn. 26th, 24th, 26th, 21st, 31st. And then the last two races at the Indy Road course in Watkins Glen, 13th and 9th. So um things started to come together a little bit there. Uh worth mentioning uh I think what one of those races at the Indy Road course in 2022, Ryan was in position to possibly win, got punted, so that was the the reason for that. But in 2023, the, the road course package with Team Penske as a whole, even Austin Sindrick, which this is like his wheelhouse, has struggled on the road courses. Uh, we did see a glimmer of light, like I said, kind of back into where his average is, 13th and 9th, the last two road course races. So uh, past winter here at the Roval, as we mentioned already, uh, they might have the opportunity here. Uh, if they're not worried about getting stage points, as you said they can they can pit early, flip the stages, try to position themselves for the wins because for Ryan and the twelve team specifically, yeah, maybe being able to race early on to pick up one or two playoff points by winning stages, I think going for the win and potentially picking up five more playoff points is is more important, don't you think
1: yeah i think I think so. I think that'd be a great way to to do to cap off the round. Uh, just, just go out and get it. And with all these guys doing different things, he's not competing with as many of the guys to tell you the truth. You know, um, like I said, half of those guys are going to try, try to race for stage points. Well, you're not competing with them for the win. So, um, I kind of throw the Roval out though, as a road course, cause it's kind of this, the hybrid that it is. And there's a lot, um, about speed, uh, once they come up onto the track going into turns one and two and all the way down the backstretch to the chicane. Uh, so sometimes, uh, I mean, it is a road course in a way, but because they use so much of the banking and, and, and you know and get the car up to speed back there, and then even even though they go through that chicane, they go through it at a pretty high rate of speed, and then once again they're using the the, the banking in three and four. Um, what's interesting about this too is that the restart zone is going to change um for this race also so they're not going to be like coming to a flying restart like they were doing uh going into the uh whatever they call the turn one there
0: heartburn turn at one point or something
1: yeah um i think they're going to use the chicane and, and, and you do a restart zone within that chicane so um that should bring the back to racing again and not You know, like I said, not worried about anybody punting anybody going into turn one uh, because a lot of guys would would do that. It wasn't just somebody missing the breaking point. Um, There was a lot of like, I'm on the inside of this guy, so I'll use this guy. He can go over there and I'll make the turn, you know, so hopefully there'll be a lot less of that and a lot more just regular racing um, through the turns and through all uh, up onto the banking. So.
0: So we mentioned the playoff cut line a little bit earlier. Ryan's great position already advanced, you know, pressures off for this race. They can go out and and go for the win. If they want four guys here that are below the cut line, Tyler Reddick, minus two Bubba Wallace, minus nine Ross Chastain, minus 10 Kyle Bush, minus 26. Uh, Three of these four drivers have won on the road courses in the past, including Reddick, Chastain and Bush Bubba Wallace has not. He has improved a little bit on road courses, um, Brad Keselowski again, just plus two to the cut line. And you talked about Kyle Larson and what their strategy could be and what they've run there in the past at plus 15. Uh, anybody else below that cut, Redick, Wallace, Chastain, Bush, uh, stand out to you as somebody that could maybe pop up. I don't even want to say steal a victory, pop up and get that victory and bump somebody else out uh, that is above the cut line right now in kind of dramatic fashion and <laughs> going into this cutoff race
1: yeah you know it's gonna be interesting because you've got um if you race for points with some of the other guys you're all looking to get above brad basically um larson being 15 above the line you know for some of the guys you know for kyle bush that's a a, almost a 40 point jump you know and he's not going to get that many points on you know bradless brad crashes early on the race you know so um and if brad's doing a point racing strategy uh you know, if he's ahead of any of those guys or if he works well with Busher, his teammate, um, you know, he might be able to to work it out and force some of those guys to try and go for the win later in the race. But uh a Chastain's the one guy that's the wild card to me. He's the guy that can go out and win one of these things. Um once again, I'm not sure what the strategy is. I mean, is that what they go for? I mean he's only 10 below the cut line uh you know he's looking up at brad too everybody's it's the way this is when you look at it on you know on the paper everybody's looking at brad can we pass brad <laughs> pass the other guys below the line but pass brad you know um because from larson larson through true x busher bell if they gain enough stage points early in the race um they could have a bad race you know somebody pointed out one of the one of the uh, shows i think it was on um uh, the teardown i think they were talking about i want to be funny if truex finished like 28th and still made the next round you know uh, but that can happen because so oh, he gets a couple stage points in each stage and he clears everybody else you know um uh, the only thing that really could wreck the day for anybody above the cut line is is a crash early in the race
0: so uh best thing one of the best things about that blaney victory at talladega is man's they were going to be in the middle of this mess. He most mm-hmm. likely was not going to leave Talladega above the cut line. If he did, it was going to be just by a couple of points. So if he did, if he doesn't win the race, yeah, um, no. man, it's so great to not have to worry. <laughs> like we did pretty much every cutoff race last year and go through this discussion. Cause we would have been right in the middle of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so my guy here, I think Tyler Reddick, he's gotten it done in an RCR car. He's gotten it done in a a, a 2311 car on on the road courses. So I think Reddick might be the one that can punch his ticket to the next round, and people need to watch out for that 45 car after that because going to a place like like Las Vegas, going to a place like uh, Homestead, uh, those tracks are right into that that driver's wheelhouse, and Mm -hmm. uh, he could easily leapfrog into the championship for after that. So I would have to say I do not want <laughs> necessarily want to see Tyler Reddick advance here because uh, that's a, a you know great Toyota car with a lot of speed. Um, they've just had execution problems when it comes to uh, some problems on pit road, leaving wheels, loose, you know, penalties. Uh, he's put himself in some bad positions on the track as well. So, but I'm, I'm looking at Tyler Reddick this weekend uh, to be a driver below the cup line that could come out and win, um, you also have, uh, chase Elliott hanging out there. He's run really strong the last several weeks, just hasn't been able to win. You know, he's won this Robo race in the past in dramatic fashion going from the back to the front. So I wouldn't be shocked if so, the nine car goes to victory so, lane. So,
1: so great there too. Um, uh, the, I think it was one of the MRN guys this weekend interviewing him, uh, pre-race and they were all like, oh, well, you know, not being in the playoffs and chase went on for about eight minutes to correct him. Um, Chase Elliott is still in the playoffs. Yes. He's not in. He's not in the drivers' playoffs. He is in the owners' championship playoffs, and he's taking it seriously because that's where the money is paid out. So if he can make the championship four, that's a couple hundred thousand dollars more than Which Larson did last year, Right, right. So don't you know count him out of anything. This week, um, I'm not exactly sure because the owner's points doesn't doesn't show up on the NASCAR um, app very well. uh, But they show him above the cut line, I believe. There, so don't count him out of anything uh, in these these next couple races because he's racing for his own championship. Um, You know, it's not the trophy that the that the winning driver gets, uh, but that owner really appreciates the uh, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, the difference it could make, um, you know, depending on where they finish. Um,
0: Yeah. So he actually is uh, in a really good spot in the owner's standings. He's in the fourth position right now, 56 points back of the leader. uh, But the guy back there in 12th, which is the eight car 102 points back. So he's, I would say all but, but locked into the next round. So mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, I mean that was a big deal last year. You have to remember Ryan Blaney was not in the owner standings because the 45 car made it still with uh, the the points and the win from Kurt Busch. So the 12 mm-hmm. didn't make it. So they were the ones that were out. The five car made it in. On into that, and they made it all the way to the championship for an owner standings. Obviously, they didn't win. So I guess you're right. I mean, that, that's worth correcting.
1: That's worth mentioning. I know yeah, not a lot
0: of fans care, but the team yeah, owners care for sure. They
1: totally care. And this was a question I was about to ask you. Um, we're five for five where playoff drivers have won uh, the playoff race. Are we due now for a non-playoff driver to win a race? Somebody uh, like uh, Daniel Suarez maybe on a road course? Or, uh, you know, McDowell, I I mean, he
0: was a playoff driver, but he's out out now mcdowell could alex bowman's Mm -hmm. looking for a win i mean justin haley ran really well at the chicago street course now it took some strategy to get them up front but they could also use strategy to get up front here and once he was in Mm -hmm. clean air did really well people a lot of people mentioned that the inner course at the roval was about the closest thing they had to the chicago street course now obviously when they got on out of the oval it was totally different but um i think you're right there's some guy chase briscoe has shown some speed in the past he he has been good on courses in the past um has made some mistakes though at the end of some of those things so uh i think you're i think you're right there's, there's a possibility here you know da- man daniel suarez needs something 54 car ty gibbs uh he's another one that i could run up front mm-hmm. in this race too so several guys and like you said with the stage breaks being brought back it brings that that flipping strategy into this thing and i guess we'll never know i've already said it you know get just take that. Deep breath, sigh of relief here that Ryan's not really caught up in this mess. Yeah. They can run their own race, do what they have to do, hopefully probably try to go out there and go for a win. And man, I just love for them to get a top ten to get back uh get back to back top tens on road courses here after ninth the ninth that he had a Watkins Glen on the last road course race. And um it'd be great to finish the season out strong after really struggling on these types of tracks early on. So Steve, that was an action-packed episode. I thought it was really awesome. We could um, pull in some of that audio from Ryan's press conferences and and kind of talk back and forth and react to some of the things that he said, uh, that Roger said, that Jonathan said. Um, Listening to that spotter audio from the last lap from that victory is one of my favorite things going all the way back to, I think, the first time when somebody queued up that Michigan win, uh, then his Daytona win. Now this win, I mean, it's just so cool to hear those guys yeah. work as a team yeah. and go to victory lane and just hear that that emotion in their voices after they win. So these are my, as I said earlier, these are my favorite episodes to do, and I hope we yeah. have many more of them ahead.
1: Yeah, uh, hopefully, um, you know, if you're new to the episode, new to the new to the podcast, because usually after victory, we get some newer newer people to listen. Uh, stay with us, um, you know, subscribe to it. Oh, however, whatever service you're using, um, uh, we're planning on having, uh, hopefully having a guest, uh, maybe later this week, even, um, so, you know, subscribe, pay attention, look out for, uh, the possibility of that happening. Um, like I said, we've gotten, uh, some nice communication with the people at Penske and, uh, some of the team members, and, uh, we can find out some things that, uh, hopefully enhance, uh, what you see and listen to every weekend on, on the races. And, uh, we're excited to bring that to you. If this is like one of your first times listening to us.
0: Yeah, go back and listen to some of the old episodes. If you scroll through your your podcast app, it's it's noted when we've had a guest in a in a special interview we've interviewed as I said lots of really great people from crew chiefs to tire folks to engineers um, mechanics you know spotters uh, other people in the industry uh, a lot of those uh, interviews especially from this year could be found on our youtube channel if you search for team blaine you'll find our youtube channel and there's some a special set of interview videos out there uh, where it's actually video a lot of our audio episodes from this year are also on youtube too if you don't have a podcasting app that you use regularly uh, but you can find us out on all of the major podcast apps and like steve said uh, like share review uh subscribe. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening. And we just hope, you know, Steve and I are big fans. Say it at the top of the show, this show is by fans for fans. Uh We try to give you as much, you know, insight analysis, you know, explaining why a pit stop was good, explaining why a pit stop was bad. Some things that TV might miss, you know, we spent a lot of time analyzing the races and just want to give you, if you're, you know, that next level fan, um, just that extra bit of information that maybe you're missing on the broadcast because, you know, they got 38, 36, 38 cars they have to follow every week. They can't always tell you what's going on with Ryan Blaney from lap to lap, but that is something that you can get from us on the team Blaney podcast every week. So um, thank you everyone for tuning into this episode of the team Blaney podcast. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve really encourage you to go back and listen to our very first episode that explores our Blaney racing fandom. You can interact with us on Facebook X at Team Blaney and on Instagram and TikTok at team.blaney. And finally, we'd like to encourage you to support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation, established in 2018. This organization supports causes like the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine through fundraisers, events, and membership in the Blaney Bunch Fan Club. To learn more, visit Ryan Blaney Family Foundation.org. Follow them on Facebook, X, Instagram, all of their very active social media channels
1: yeah yeah make sure you follow them i'm not going to leak anything totally but make sure you follow them there might be some really cool things coming up in the weeks to come from them um they always put out some uh, you know nice stuff uh they deal with flag and anthem so if you don't follow flag and anthem follow flag and anthem because you can find some exclusive merchandise uh of ryan blaney's through the flag and anthem uh and and they actually help the ryan blaney family foundation uh with some merchandise there too so yeah Keep an eye on the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation uh, handles uh, on all the social medias. There might be some really cool things coming up soon.
0: So for my co-host, Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time right here on the Team Blaney Podcast.
1: Good night, Brussels. Check out the TikTok.
3: Well, Thanks, everybody, for coming. I hope you enjoyed it.